Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey Nochilprano. Hello, Andy. Good late East Coast time Wednesday evening. That's right. The sun is actually down on the East Coast. It is. Or, or Sorry. I mean, the sun's down on the East Coast hours ago, but the sun's down in ohio correct at this point even yeah it's it's uh went down about 10 minutes ago no i'm kidding i love that this is just a recurring we have to check in every show what is the state of the sun in ohio when the show starts well yeah let's just get that out of the way because we uh and from the land of the rising sun (laughs) yoshi welcome back buddy (laughs) Great to be guy back. Um, what it's been? What two and a half, three years? How long has it been? I mean, you should have so much to catch up on. Well, you something like that. Yeah, we Where's haven't the, seen. Where did you do the show via like phone or via Zoom before? Did we have you on via Zoom or was the last time you did the show was that it, it wasn't at Ruther's? Yeah, it was. Yeah, really. Now, like, I mean, how long yeah. Ruther? How long ago did you leave Ohio? Did you leave, leave for Ohio? I moved back. To, I moved back uh, October 2020. Yeah. So we're talking. Well, last about. time you were on the show, you killed a homeless guy. Is that what happened? That. Why do you always bring that up? Because <laughs> <laughs> don't cause worry, you, the statute of limitations on that is because you hit a homeless guy with your car in Venice. No, no, no. He ran into my car. Remember that? <laughs> That's right. But I'm glad you were there. You were telling the guy, like, what the fuck, man? What does it hurt? Come on. You were like, stop pretending, you homeless piece of shit. <laughs> so that was that. But I had to go see a police like eight months later. Did you nothing, ever hear any- nothing came out of it. You know, Nothing came out of that. No. He probably, he probably didn't know. Was he translating what you were saying? I would love to see what, what he wrote <laughs> down, what Yoshi was saying. The guy I was supposed to talk to, I think his mother was sick or something. So some other guy took a note and it was just like nothing. So, well, Yoshi, you've been, you were telling us before the show. I said, yeah, let's save it. For well, air. let me ask you something, Yoshi. Yeah. Where are you right now? I mean, Olympia, Washington. Wow. Okay. At least you're in the United, United States. That's good. Yeah. Actually, the house I'm staying. Um, yeah. Whose house are you at? Let's start. Well, let's, uh... I, um, so there was an incident at the, place called evergreen state college okay and they were trying to pull this nonsense about a day without a white person and there was a professor at that college uh, ben uh weinstein he said no that's racist i'm not going to do that so he showed up they got mad at him well the lady who started the whole um a day without a white person later on have to leave town because she was in a black lady being like a crazy and uh my friend got a pretty good Price find a house because she was desperate and uh you know wait wait, wait a second <laughs> so the lady who started a day without a white person they ran you, her out of town and you bought her house 
No, my friend bought it at the discounted rate because she was running out of money. And uh, and the irony know. is Yoshi's not the white person. It worked yeah. out in for her favor. Yeah. So like one, just one of the few times racism actually helped the white person. <laughs> God bless America. So, so, you, <laughs> so how long have you been in Olympia, Washington? Oh, I've only been here like three, four days. I'm just practicing for this show in Scotland. I have my friend Paul. Um, he's been coaching me and like telling me how to do storytelling and you know, it's a little different from stand-up show. So, um, it's my so twenty-five years of sex for, business. This is so, in preparation for Edinburgh. Yeah, I've never and, done it. So, and when I'm, is that? August fourth through twenty-six minus two nights. And what's your show called? Adult content. And that's why we have you as adultcontent69.com as your yeah. as your <laughs> sixty-nine because I was that was the year I was born. <laughs> right, of course. Of course. Yeah. I was born in 420. Nice. So, um, so talk about this show, Yoshi. So you have a one man show called adult content. Yeah. What's this about? Um, well, I worked in sex business for 25 years or more. And, uh, at the height of COVID, you know, I was in Northern Arizona. I didn't have a whole lot to do. You know, I was walking 11 miles a day, taking online courses and calling friends and things like that. But, when I remember one of the story when I used to work at the porn shop in Seattle, Washington. So I wrote it, put an Instagram, not really thinking much of it. And the response was just incredibly positive. You know, it was, it's actually was a sad story. I was surprised that the people are interested in that. So I thought about it, maybe write a book and uh, I worked on it. And then last year I went in Edinburgh my friend uh, Anthony Showman was doing a show and I went to Edinburgh because there was a lady doing a show about Ghislaine Maxwell. So I wouldn't really want to see that show. And I saw it. And afterward, I was talking to Anthony about well, what's it like doing a show in Edinburgh. And it was sounded kind of interesting. So I was kind of half 50 uh, 50 on it. Then I realized I need to be away in August this year because uh, it's the 20th anniversary of my uh, father's passing. We still don't know if it's a suicide or murder. So I, I, I want to stay away from Japan because I think there's part of me want to go back to Japan and then. Do you think the anniversary will trigger you into, into doing something bad? Yeah. So I figure I need to do something con- constructive and stay in Scotland, you know? And I think USA and Scotland is the two places my dad went to visit and uh, he went to the United States, but never went to Scotland. And he loves Scotland because he loves Sean Connery. <laughs> That's why. So the, the best bond hands down, right? Yeah, I mean, Roger Moore is the funniest. And then um, Daniel Craig is more relatable one. I met him too, so. Daniel but, Craig? Yeah. Hmm? You met Daniel Craig or you met yeah, Connery? Actually, yeah, he was a fantastic, great guy. So, yeah, I want to do the show. I've never done anything like it. Uh, it's a little hold different on, from Spenda, hold, but, yeah. hold on. Let's but, just go back to that. Wait, yeah. Where where. Prano, where is Yoshi? Like, where are you meeting Daniel Craig? I want to hear this. I assume a high-end brothel. No, Tonight Show uh, with Jay Leno. And, um, Wait, Jay who? Jay Mello? Jay Leno. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't drink. So, like he said Jay Mello. Yeah, you know, I have a couple of friends that work at the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And uh, afterwards, you know, I have a pass green room. As I'm leaving, I saw Leno and Daniel Craig checking out Leno's British car. I don't yeah, know what kind of car it was. It was you're a fancy really, car. We think you do a great job as Bob. We're a big fan. 008, if you ask me. So, 
they're very nice. They're very chill. And I, he was very kind. And then I talked to him for a little bit and uh, Leno too. That's it. But um, a little anxious. I've never done shows like this. It's like a half of it stand up, I guess, but mostly storytelling, you know. And uh, well, everybody, if you are in and around Edinburgh Festival or if you just live in the UK, uh, go see adult content so that Yoshi doesn't go home to Japan and kill anybody in revenge for his father's death. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. That's, 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 that's the best. A very nice, um, that's the best emotion. plug I can give you. you yeah, know? thank you. <laughs> yeah, if if you don't go to the show, Yoshi will murder somebody. Yeah. So no pressure, guys. Yeah. So, like, how long have you been writing? Like, how long did it take you to write this? Um. I've been writing off and on for like, um, I don't know how to answer that because do you guys do this? Sometimes you have an interesting story or thought you put in three, three by five car and I wrote it and I just had a pause and pause of bags of that stuff, not knowing what to do with it. Well, you put it on an index card. Yeah. And then, um, then when I thought about doing the show, maybe last summer, I started kind of, um, categorizing all the cards in different topics, you know? Like when I used to work at the porn shop, when I used to work for Evil Angel, in the last 11 years, uh, what I call perverts without border, because I've been traveling the world <laughs> using my pornographic eyes and like, um, you know, traveling the world. And uh, I mean, I, I, I think I've been to close to 70 countries, you know, so. Um, Yoshi, you're pretty, you're pretty like, I feel like you've got your finger on the pulse of the underworld a little bit. Yeah. Uh, is Tom Hanks eating babies? Like, is this like, uh, you know, t how how deep does it go? If you go on, if you go on the the internet and you hang around for too long, you know, the there's a table and Joe Biden and Tom Hanks and Jay Z and Beyonce. Yeah. They put a baby in the middle of the table. They cut it into pieces. They eat it like a fucking KFC bucket of chicken. Is this happening? Are people eating babies? Um. I really don't follow conspiracies and stuff. You know, that's like, that's no, no, no. I'm, I, I'm not talking shit about it. I just don't know enough. And, uh, you know, you talk to someone like Sam Tripoli. He's always yeah. kind of educating me on that. But I feel not... like any of that stuff is like, you know, I feel like it's a slippery slope from like, you're big on the Epstein, Jelaine Maxwell, yeah. pedophiles, sex trafficking. Se what, you know, what happened to the kids after? Yeah. And then there's all this like baby blood and, eating the babies and Ellen's eating the babies. I figured if anybody knew it would be you. So if you're telling me, no, you no, 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 I'm not saying that. I, uh, well, so let me give you an example. I went to uh, Davos, Switzerland in January for world economic forum. So if you're, if you're a politician, if, if you're a political, you, you, you look at the political angle, you, if you're economist business, you know, I'm sure, or environmentalist, everybody have a different way of looking at it. When I went to economic forum, Davos in January, because I worked in sex business for a long time, so I'd see everything sexual, pornographic, right? But what I thought was funny, right away, I noticed, um, you know, like a lot of these academic and policymakers just say something like sustainability, whatever the key word for that year. But if you really want to know how these people really think, don't listen to what they have to say. Talk to all the sex workers that week work in Davos. You probably get a better sense of what's going to happen for the rest of the year talking to them, you know. So if you look, if you're working with Goldman Sachs, you didn't get a very good bonus in December, you're probably not in a good mood and you probably take it on those prostitutes and sex workers, you know. 
And I think you, the way you treat sex workers will say a lot about you and your country and uh, your city and so on. And so, I, I, that, so that's were you talking I, to, wait, were you, when you're in Switzerland, are you talking to sex workers? Yeah, some of them. I mean, I mean, I could tell right away. So some people ask, like, well, did you have a pass to get in? No, I didn't have a pass. Um, what I did was anytime I see a group of Asian folks, whether they're Chinese or Korean or Japanese, and they're representing their country in different companies like Samsung or whatever, as they're getting ready Whenever to Whenever I in- see a group of Asian people, I know I'm in a good restaurant. Yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> you know, the Asians in the eating in the Asian restaurant, that's how you know it's good. That's right. And <laughs> whenever I see those groups of Asians going to those fancy hotels with credentials, I just walk behind and walk in with them. So that's when I have access to some of those places, you know, because they, they really check your credentials a lot of time. And if they start talking to me, I start speaking Japanese, whatever, to pretend like I don't know what they're talking about. But um, a lot of the sex workers, they pretend like they're nieces of the, these businessmen or CEOs or executive assistants, you know. But there's a lot of hookers, clearly. It's kind of obvious to me, but... Yeah. Like, when you, when you meet other comedians, even if they're comedians in, in different languages, you could kind of tell right away. Right. Or if you're an athlete, I think it's kind of pretty self-evident, even if they're playing different sports. There's something about athletes have a different, you know what I mean? The body language. The, it, it, you don't have to know the language. You, you could, yeah. You could tell, there's some physicality about the athlete, just like sex workers. If you're comedians, if you're academic, you could kind of tell, you know. Now, now are you, when you're traveling, l- yeah. let's segue into sports. Are you going to any sports events? You said 70 countries. Are you seeing any? Fun events, any any big name events we might know of? I mean, last football game, I didn't go any game last year, but I went to the game when uh, um, Antonio Brown took all his clothes off during the Tampa Bay Jets game. I was of there. Cor- of course, you were there. <laughs> I went to that one. G- give me the yeah, give me the vibe of the stadium when you're there when that's going on. That was well, in New York. That was a Jets game, right? Yeah, it was yeah. That. I want to see Brady before he retires. So I thought maybe he's going to retire after that uh, season. And then uh, I went to a couple of games, but I was just drinking a little too much. So when I looked down, I thought, um, what kind of fan to go out, uh, across the field? I didn't, I didn't realize it was uh, Antonio Brown until a little later because it was so crazy. I don't know if you guys remember the game. You know, I love that t- three minutes ago, Yoshi was like, you see an athlete, you just know it's an athlete. And then he didn't <laughs> recognize Antonio Brown in Tampa Bay Bucks pants walking on a field. <laughs> and he's jacked too. <laughs> no, but- <laughs> I was drinking. I looked down. I just see this black guy with just basically what pants on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what was going on at that moment. So are like, are you, are you, how close are you following the NFL these days? I know you're, you were a big Tom Brady guy. Are you, are you still like, like what, where, where are you at now with the quarterback situation now that Brady's out? I'm a little weirded out with the situation in Seattle, you know, um, because now they're talking so much shit about Russell Wilson. I don't know what to make of it, you know. I mean, you know what's weird? Three or four years ago, I had a couple of friends. They were saying they thought he was a sociopath or a psychopath. Russell you know? Wilson. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and I was like, huh. And these are like pretty credible friends of mine, fans of Seahawks for years, but I didn't know. But you do hear a lot of weird things about that guy. Okay, so like this is interesting. So like you heard three or four years ago he was crazy. And yeah, at that point, couple, it, probably, it didn't make much sense. Now it's like it totally holds up. 
I mean, what do you guys think? He seemed very strange. And I think a lot of the defensive black players were kind of upset with him, weren't they? If, yeah. If, yeah. So Because he got paid and they didn't. And I don't know. He seemed too nice, you know. I kind of like guys a little rough and like a little imperfect, but he just seemed so perfect to me. Maybe he's like hiding his sociopathy while well, taking care of little kids. Yoshi, you know? you're the kind of guy who knows this stuff. It's like if somebody's like a uh, an over the top religious person yeah. it's usually it's usually masking something i could not see just that, like yeah. oh I, I just love jesus just always love jesus yeah so yeah. i've had some other shit going on i've had a theory he might be i mean one of my theories is he might be hiding <laughs> that he's gay whether uh, that's whether that's true or not i don't know because i think a lot of these guys who might deep down be gay they hide behind Jesus. They, you know, that's like a big front. Like to me, I'm, I'm hundred percent convinced Tim Tebow's gay. Like, I just think that's a huge front. I'm not saying Russell Wilson is, that's one of my possible theories. Yeah. But I, I agree with what Prano is saying. It's like when you, when you put out there, the all positive yeah. Jesus and, and, and in fact, I almost say this, I think, I don't think we've actually had this discussion Prano as far as from a historical standpoint, I don't know of anybody in NFL history who's cared more about their image that I can recall in my watching days than Russell Wilson. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Even if he's sociopath, psychopath, society still needs some psychopath. You know what I mean? The reality is there's a certain, certain circumstances you need them. Um, if you have like some psychopath Air Force pilot defending the country, or you have a brain surgeon that never hesitate. There are the play, I, I hate to say it, but there's space for some psychopath in those emergency situations, you know. There, there's some case to be made. Well, and, that's the thing, that's the thing too, in like when they talk about like CIA recruitment, mm -hmm. don't they look for like hyper smart, but like morally bankrupt, like or not even morally bankrupt, just like people with loose morals. They're like, Oh, are you willing to just like kill random people for you know? Whatever, whatever, whatever reason was like, it's like, sure, yeah, I don't really, I don't mind being a murderer. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. But I mean, going back to what we were saying, because we were talking about James Bond, I mean, I think every category, if you look and analyze him, I think, yeah, uh, for the most part, he is a psychopath. You need people like that, you know. So now that a lot of people in Seattle talking shit about Russell Wilson, but he was effective, took the team to Super Bowl twice, he won one. Um, He's a complicated guy, but you can't take that away from him. You know, when is a when, and uh, you need people like that. Sometimes in business world, you have people who are cruel and fire people, but it's necessary. You know, so I feel a little uncomfortable because I think there is a place for people like that. You know, yeah, but but like I, I think I think the psychopath thing definitely works in sports, but but I I would almost argue it 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 works the other way. Like the psychopath Jordan works because you know. That's his like I, I don't I don't think that will that Jordan quote unquote had that or I don't know how much of that is marketing. Joan yeah. talked about that. But a lot of these athletes that have that, like all they care about is winning. I don't even know if Russell Wilson has that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just I like this this I think we'd all agree this is a total make or break year for his entire legacy. Oh, well, I think Denver is in trouble because they give up a lot of uh, prospect away. I don't think the team is managed really well. And I think um, 
I don't think they're going to have a good season. I mean, I mean what do I know? You know, that's that, that, that's sort of the, that is, you know, that is turning out to be mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's legacy, which is it's great for league, Seattle because we came got in the league, wasn't money. getting paid, mm-hmm. wasn't high prospect, wasn't high profile, won a little bit. Yeah. Then when Seattle was like, this is the Russell Wilson team. Yeah. It started to fall apart. Then when Denver was like, no, this is like we are all in on Russell Wilson. Right. It's been a disaster. Like right now, I mean, he was he was off to a great start statistically and he got a Super Bowl early. Yeah. But so far, like if if this continues in Denver, his legacy is gonna be he derailed a couple franchises sure. by them going all in on him. I mean I'm not saying he's a psychopath, sociopath. I don't. I don't really know. But this is okay. Strange, we don't mind you throwing it out there. It's going to be the title of the episode. Yoshi says Russell Wilson's a sociopath. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean. Um, the quarterback that you guys are going to talk about. What's his name from Vikings? I'm, I'm... Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, does he strike you as a killer to you? Like a killer, like meaning like a killer. Does he have a killer type? instinct like the Kobe, as a quarterback? But, no. And you need to. You need to have a killer. To get this thing done, you know, I mean, you could say whatever. I you think want, you but either Brady, need to be. I think. Fucking killer. I think. I think across sports, if you're going to be the quarterback or you're going to be the, the the lead guy on a basketball yeah. team, and those are the two sports, obviously, uh, di- way different than baseball. But I think you either have to be, you have to have crazy killer instinct, or mm-hmm. you have to be incredibly smart. Like yeah. I don't think Peyton Manning is Mister like fucking I'll I'll step on my sister's neck to win a Super Bowl. No, he doesn't need to. He, no, but but I would yeah, but I would argue. I know what you're saying about that. Like in that circumstance, I would argue like a I would argue they do have that killer instinct. Those Mannings. I mean, I just don't you even think it's saying? like I don't even like, think I don't even think they even have to think about it because I just think they're doing their job. Yeah, at an insane level. You know what I mean? Like. I think it I think that those guys and Tom Brady obviously has I think Tom Brady had the chip on his shoulder of being drafted late but right. he was very similar to those guys in that like I don't really if like if you do if we do it all right yeah. if we just do if we execute you don't need to fucking be all like crazy fucking killer instinct about it just like we need to fucking execute you know, because it's 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 one of those questions. Like you look at like Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. Kobe definitely have a killing instinct, but Tim doesn't strike me. He have a killer instinct, but he seemed like an incredibly smart player. Yeah, that inclusive to his team. They both yeah. won five championships. There's yeah. two ways to do it. You could go Kobe route or Tim Duncan. You know, yeah. I don't think one is necessarily better than other, but um, I think Tim Duncan is significantly better. Yeah, I mean, but. <laughs> I mean, just throwing it out there since you said you don't know if one's better. I'm just getting, yeah. I mean, Tim Duncan's I think, I think Tim Duncan's a really it. Tim Duncan's a really big guy, probably yeah. too big to be carried on Shaq's back for three championships. But his his legacy is interesting because he did it throughout the 20 years, right? Every three yeah. or four years, and Kobe did like three in a row, a little bit of break, two, and done. Um, it's well, a good I mean, I mean, yeah, Joe and I both agree. Like, we think Kobe's. I I think he's highly overrated. He's, you know, he's around, I don't know, 13th to 15th all time best player, but which is amazing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to be, I would love to be the 13th best at anything. I'd love to have the 13th best mustache on planet Earth and I'd fucking feel like I achieved something. You know what I mean? So he's great. But also, I think he's still overrated. But it's interesting when you compare him with Michael Jordan. 
um, ultimately, Kobe's dead because he's a good father, right? Jordan was like, I always say Kobe's dead because he could, he didn't have a killer instinct to fight traffic. Because <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> remember, you watched the Jordan's five, document, You saw the Jordan's documentary, right? In episode one, you see a little bit of kid. You never see those goddamn kids right. again until right. last few minutes of the last episode. Well, one of his kids is banging Scottie Pippen's ex-wife now. What? Yeah. Yeah, Yoshi, I know, you, I know you're not tuned into the pop culture scene as much as you are serial killer scene. Yeah. But yeah, Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, Larsa Pippen, is banging Jordan's kid. Oh, I did hear this. Okay. It's wild. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy how uh, things in a weird way come full circle. What I did, you brought up Kirk Cousins. I, I, I mean, I have to, Prano, so I watched almost, I'm like, Halfway through the first episode. Yeah. Are you only? I thought you were going to tell me you got. Okay. Continue. No. But what I was going to say is, I uh, I definitely, the first thing I couldn't get over. Yeah. Was this kid wearing, I mean, I mean, right in the opening scene right here. Yeah. His kid is, I looked it up. His kid's like five here. He, why does okay. he have a pacifier? Like, I have a baby, right? Like, my baby, she's five months old. She's a pacifier. Right. This is, this is a fight. What is going on? Like, like people are going to laugh or I, I I'm shocked. Actually, I was shocked to my girlfriend. I go, I'm shocked. Prano didn't bring this up because mm. to me, this is like, a I, red I don't think, I don't think I noticed it. Oh, cause this is a red I mean, flag. Five is five's old. Look how old he is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying like, this is a red flag instantly to me. Especially, especially in 2023. Yeah. Like nowadays, like if this was 1975, you'd be like, okay, because you don't know. But like at this point now, we know a lot about orthodontics. We know a lot about fucking separation anxiety. We know like you can't be letting your kid do this. Like with the, the the medicine is there. This is this is a bad idea for a lot of reasons, yeah, mentally the, and physically. If the kid can actually read the book to you, he can't have the pacifier. But let me ask you something. What percent chance do you think there is that this kid still breastfeeds? Wait, what was the question? What percent chance that Kirk Cousins has one of those weird kids that breastfeeds till he's like eight? And that's why the kid's still addicted to a pacifier. 50%. 50%. 100% agree. Um, I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50 that Kirk Cousins still breastfeeds. You know, uh, this is not a very sport. This It's not a sports uh, reference, but... Um... Ina Mia Farrow with the whole uh, yeah. case. Um, Ronan Farrow. I don't know. If, I don't know if this is true, but I've read in a couple of sources that um, you know they're accusing Woody Allen of molesting those kids. Um, several house may claim, you know, that uh, Mia was breastfeeding him until he was like eight or nine years old. So there's a lot of weird shit about the whole family, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I, I'm more inclined to think Woody Allen's innocent based on what I read. But um, <laughs> I love how we're talking Kirk Cousins. And you know, um, she's like, can we talk about whether Woody Allen? I mean, pacifier does seem doesn't that yeah, yeah, bad yeah, but, compared but, but, to on, breastfeeding on. when you're I, I want to finish this real quick. What? You, you, do you think he might be innocent? Dude, he married his child. Like he married his like adopted kid. I'm not saying he's a best father, but they're not married. <laughs> You know, 
I mean, they're, they're not, not married. Related. They are married, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. not blood related. You know what I mean? No. But that's uh, very weird. What? What? I'm not sure. blood related to Andy's daughter. If I marry her one day, it's fucked up. Yeah, and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me ask you something because I want to transition into this conversation. Sure. But I want to let I want to get Yoshi take. Who has a shorter prime? NFL running backs or porn stars? Mm, good question. It's funny you said that. I was thinking about running back with like the girls that do uh gangbangs and things like that, but a lot of those girls really don't <laughs> last that long, you know. But what do we what's what is it these days? One or three years for running back? I mean, I think like I mean, even in like we like, I guess that's a question because I need some comps here. Yeah. Like, is there any like, even the who's the biggest like Jenna Jameson is like one of the biggest porn stars of all time, right? Like, how long was she actively getting fucked on camera? I mean, I think one, I think once she was star, if I remember right, she became one of the um, Vivid Girls contract girls. Then after that, she owned she had her own online, but uh, not very long, you know. I mean, right. she was more starred, but um, when like you become... even the girls, like who's who are the big names like today? Like I feel like you you hear about these girls. I'm not the biggest porn guy, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able mm. to pull names. But you hear about these girls, and they'll talk about them, whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, she has a podcast. Like she's not even fucking dudes anymore. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what's interesting from early to mid to late nineties, porn was very similar with extreme sports. So they were doing all kinds of extreme shit back in the nineties. You know, like multiple gangbangs. Like, you know, you had like the Annabelle Chan during like first hundred gangbang or two hundred, whatever. I think there were a couple other girls afterwards. Like Houston did it what, like three or four hundred gangbang. Oh, oh God, right. you, yeah. dude, I remember watching that thing is. That, that's a tough one to watch. I remember watching but, that in college, the Houston. But it, no, it was the Houston 500. Yeah. 500 dudes. And it, it's interesting because I've heard stories where <laughs> it's Houston, Houston has a daughter named Dallas. And when the journalist was uh, interviewing her, daughter was like, so, I don't remember. I apologize if I don't have the exact facts, but I think she was like seven or eight. She was ready to serve like martinis and shit to the journalist or something like that. <laughs> so, um, very sophisticated kids, you know, but yeah. um, but when they say five hundred, six hundred, I think they're misleading because sometimes you see the same guy fucking her. So that doesn't. That well, no, you know what you know what it was, the, mm -hmm. and then we'll get back to this analogy. The Houston five hundred was like no lie. There was like a lot, like it could be just some Joe schmo off the street. Yeah, you got like so many pumps, and then they went to the next guy. Yeah, she had to be ice that dude. It's it's. It's wild. Like she had to be like iced down. The whole thing. She's just in pain. You're like, why are you doing this? You take a little bit of break, and you had like Jasmine St. Clair used to do it too. I, last time I saw her, I saw her in Oslo like 10, 11 years ago. But um, I don't know if there, if it was it's really true. Like five hundred guys, you know, maybe they used the same guy two or three times. You know, if, if you do proper counting. But nevertheless, it is still a lot. But nineties, you have a lot of those extreme stuff until. I don't know, 97 or 98, there was a little bit of HIV outbreak, which I made a documentary called Pondemic. And then because of the internet and online, um, so many people are stealing those movies. It, it actually, we were start having less of those gangbang because they didn't have the money to do that anymore. You know, because you still have to pay the guys. So if you pump a couple of times and you don't come, you don't get paid. 
so so they were under a lot of you know pressure to perform you know but all i can have, think of is that we have, have is is that one of our interns think porndemic was created by trojan just to sell more condoms it's a big <laughs> the, the porndemic was a big scam the big scam by big condom i'm just laughing this is like the most vintage dirty sports episode yeah. Old school. Okay, so back to the running back comparison. So it seems like what Prano is asserting, you're agreeing with. Like, wasn't there a, wasn't there? A, I'm going to try to pull one. Wasn't there a Tory Black? Yeah. Is that a person? Yes. That was, that was a porn star. How Riley long is Reed? she? How long is she? Yeah, Riley Reed. That's a good one. I know that name. How long were those girls fucking dudes for? Four or five years? Once you become stars, I think you're more selective. You get paid more money. And you wait until you do first anal scenes and things like that. So those girls are fine. You know, they, they could do privates. They, they could do a uh, feature film. You, Once you're you, big stars, you, you make you do make a lot of money. But if you're one of those girls that never made it to uh, like a star level, you got to do all kinds of things that you don't want to do, like gangbang or fuck old man and things like that. You know who's a good analogy for this, Prano? Because she didn't do it long at all. And then, like you're saying, went into podcasting, went into like having a big Twitter, not even Instagram. Like her Instagram's big too. Mia Khalifa. Okay. Right. Yeah, she said she already did like nine or 10 scenes. And, That's and, what I'm and, saying. Yeah. She didn't do that many scenes, but her scenes, her scenes for the longest time were still all over Pornhub. She then, she, you know, she's like a diehard sports fan. So she's like diehard, I think Wizards. I don't know. And now is. now she's saying she's been abused by the industry. So she's basically porno version of Kaepernick. <laughs> they, they don't write scenes. They make a big social kind of thing and become bigger, you know, famous oh, through that. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know she, she was using that. So yeah, she, she, I don't think she had a long career. But later she when did. she said she's abused, you know, one of those kind of things that is easy to get uh, attention from mainstream media. And then and she get big following and OnlyFans and things like that. Kaepernick too. I think there was a point he was a great quarterback. I mean, it's pretty impressive what he did against Green Bay. I don't, I don't know what year that was, but I think he makes more money through being activist, whatever that means these days. But um, yeah, maybe he realized that that there's a limit what he could do. Why don't you go to this whole BOM kind of scam, you know? And uh, he did quite well right i don't think he got 40 50 million i think it's like what nine to ten million or something like you, that okay, you know you know so we had a call about that which is funny we we, we well well first of all i i think he believed in what he was doing you, yeah. you know I, I don't think he didn't believe in what he was doing i think i think when you reach I think a certain all of the conversation of blm and the flag all that stuff came from him all that shit came from him doing that i know i i don't think he gets enough credit for being the first guy to take that on a uh, on the chin on a big level. Now, the question of whether or not he thought he should come back to do, well, first of all, I think he was absolutely blackballed, but then people are always talking about like, if he wanted to play, he'd go to Canada and play in the CFL. It's like, well, that's when the conversation of like, how much did Nike give him to be an advocate? How much did he make off of mm -hmm. the lawsuit? How, like, dude, we're going to talk about it. And that was what we're, you know, I was trying to get into with the conversation about these running backs yeah. and the way they they kind of take an abuse. It's like Colin Kaepernick, I think for sure was blackballed, but also for sure made enough money where he didn't need yeah. to play football yeah. anymore. Well, well, we, you know, we that's the thing we had a call about it, and we'll just talk about it right now. That was yeah. the call. It was like it was basically saying, and I haven't googled <laughs> the, the caller was saying if you Google it, the disparity in what he got is like 10 to 80 million 
you know, you know, and, and he, and he basically was saying, what do you guys think? Like low yeah. end 10, mm-hmm. high end 80. Well, here's what I think. I Didn't think- he also talk shit about that the parents adopt him later on? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not a sports thing. I think that's a little ungrateful, don't you think? Yeah, but yeah. also what he said isn't particular. Like, listen, I I always think the and and this is what I kind of wanted to talk mm-hmm. about with the Saquon Barkley thing that came out today is like I think when you take a lot of this stuff out of context, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. It's like I don't think he was saying he didn't wish his parents adopted him or that he didn't whatever. Mm-hmm. He just said that he was still he still like that his parents still had. And I think this is true of yeah. me. I've been accused of being woke on this show a million times, but I think we all have racism in us. You know, how many times have, you know, we joked with you on this show about shit. Like there are people who would hear your past episodes of this show and yeah. say that I am vehemently racist against Asian people. Not and I'm like, no, I'm joking. Yoshi and I are friends. We're fucking doing a bit, whatever. But I think the fact no one is more racist than Asian people. Right. But I think what Colin Kaepernick was saying is like, Mm -hmm. even though his parents adopted him and loved him, there were aspects of the way that they treated him that Mm -hmm. were still rooted in racism. Telling a kid you can't get braids because he looks like a thug. That is rooted in racism. It doesn't mean they're being actively racist. It just means they're that belief. That's that a way you look then goes to thug and what does thug really mean and all that. They're yeah. just meaning that to say that that's rooted in racism doesn't mean I hate my fucking parents. I wish they never adopted me and I wish I was adopted by black people. Yeah, that's I, I, but people I, take sure, that shit out of context and that's what they want to paint a guy as. I'm sure the parents had a good intention. I think this is not necessary having black kids, but even like white folk that adopt Asian kids, I think they want to do a good job of teaching them. Asian tradition, but it's not easy, you know. And I think sometimes they see it like racism. It's not. I think it's a good intention. Look, it's it's like when a non-Asian person make Asian food. I know the intentions well, but taste is not quite the same. <laughs> it, you're gonna miss something. It doesn't mean they're not being respectful of Asian culture. It's just sometimes, you know, whatever the food you're used to, uh, being Italian or Jewish or African American or you know, it could be like other traditional stuff, part of the culture. Intention is good, but, you know, you're not going to quite deliver the way you right. want it to, you know. So, I mean, two, people are a little too sensitive, I think, these yeah, days. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, why don't I play the clip? Because, you know, we talked about this last episode. We had a, I thought I really enjoyed that discussion about running backs. And mm-hmm. I actually had a DM back and forth with a dirtball who was like, hey, man, I feel bad for these guys. Whereas, like, I'm like, I don't like. Maybe I'll and I do, old. and I and play the clip because I listened to the full Saquon Barkley yeah. episode today, and I I actually I do feel bad for him, and I have thoughts on why and and how I think they okay. are being mistreated. Yeah, and, and you and you and before I play it, just for context, you heard that podcast. I didn't, so yeah. you're going to okay. be telling me things that I haven't heard. I could say fuck you to the Giants. I could say fuck you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I won't play it down. And that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use. Do I anybody knows me knows that's not something I want to do. But like it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I never I never thought I would ever do that, but like now I'm at a point where it's like Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. And like, am I willing, am I prepared to take it to the level? 
Okay, so he goes on to say, I don't know. That's something I'd have to discuss with my family. Sure. That's something I have to whatever. And his and the context of it is essentially he's talking in the moment about the way the Giants evaluated him, the way that it's it's by the way, everybody should listen to it. I've never um heard any athlete uh talk and he still doesn't talk in that much specifics but he talks in sp- specifics more than a lot of athletes mm-hmm. about the negotiation process and about how they tried to negotiate with him during the bye week to get a deal done last year and the way they gave him who they thought were his comps as yeah. far as running backs goes and he wouldn't name the names that they come to but essentially it wasn't Christian McCaffrey it was guys who were just straight up running backs and he's like, I caught 91 ball. I have the I have the Giants rookie receptions record. Yeah. Not as a running back, as a any player. And the thing that that I left this episode feeling, and, and Andy and I talked about it last episode, and I 100 okay. percent agree that these guys just aren't really taking a realistic approach to the finances of the tag and the demands that they're making and the Mm -hmm. value of running backs. But this podcast made me think about a couple of things. One running back is the one position, the one position where if you're drafted, even in the first couple rounds, you basically get handed the ball from day one, right? You could be the fifth overall pick at left tackle (laughs) And they're like, oh, we're not going to start him. We got, you know, he's got, we got to get his footwork right. We got to get his hands right. I mean, Patrick Holmes didn't start. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't start. Fucking like Tom Brady, like you, you come into the league as Eli Manning didn't start. You come into the league as a quarterback, you might sit on the bench. You come into the league as a tight end, you might sit on the bench. Yeah. It's the one position where essentially, if you're a highly rated guy, like if you're a highly rated corner, they still might start you as a nickel back. Like if you're a top two rounds running back, you come into the league day one, they give you the ball. And then the other thing that he made me think about is you're on a four year deal. Your rookie deal is a four year deal. They yeah. now have a team option that takes you into a fifth year. You can tag a guy two year, a running back can go to seven years in the league without ever having the chance to test free agency and seven years in the league, you are, are you're done. If you're Saquon Barkley, you're done. If you're Alvin Kamara, you're done. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Your value is already over. Is that just that position then? You're no, saying that's it, everybody. But everybody, I'm saying okay. if you're a quarterback, you come into the league, you don't take a hit for a year. And then you don't really take a ton of hits running back. You're taking the most punishment, but you're also playing day one and your shelf life is super short. And I was thinking about it too, because he talked about how essentially he's a running back, but he's catching 91 balls and all this stuff. It's like, I I know there's been a couple of these things in the past. I forget who the tight end was a couple years ago that was essentially trying to identify as a receiver because if they tagged him, then he would get receiver money instead of tight end money. It is kind of ridiculous to be a guy like Saquon Barkley, come in the league, get beat up, catch 90 balls a year, 
and then say, we think you're, you know. But Joe, you, don't you guy. think that the, nobody forced him to play that position? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then anybody who's been following football last seven to 10 years know that that's the philosophy for a long time. And like you guys make a good example with Michael Shan uh, Shanahan, you know. I don't like they're treating him like that. He seemed like a very nice guy, uh, amazingly talented, but you pick that position. Um, I mean, really, this is a really mean thing to say, but really, when you're playing running back in the NFL, you're almost like a ten dollar whore. You know, that's what I said. You're a porn and, star. And, you and, have five and, good years. And then you, if you're a quarterback, you're you're like a high end escort. You know. But let me let me talk about. I yeah. wanted to talk about a couple more things. First of all, if they're not going to change. This is a business decision. They're, they're yeah, going to use him and, until and, he's and, good. And that's my thing, real quick. If I can hop in, like like I, I I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying for the record. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, what but, I'm saying is, but return the, on investment. This is business, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, the value of the position is one thing. Yeah. But the way the league controls these guys, yeah, is a different thing. Okay, your value, your value as a running back is only so much. Well, why can't I find out what my value is? And if I'm Saquon Barkley, why can't I figure out what my value is in year three? Why do you get to control? If you're a running back, they can control you for the entire livelihood of your career. That's fair. You I would have changed position it's... then. Honestly, well, first of all, let me let me start by this. Yeah. If I'm a dad of a football player, yeah, we're just not playing. We're not playing running back. We're not yeah, playing yeah. running back and like go to college, be a corner, be yes. a whatever. Like, you, yes, ab absolutely. At this point, but I also think the thing is in the NFL is we act like how valuable the quarterback is versus how valuable the running back is. Yeah. Now the elite quarterbacks, if you look at like we did the list last episode, right? Who are yeah. the top five? It was Mahomes, Rogers, Burrow, uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Yeah. Right. Those are guys who are elite quarterbacks who come in the league. Herbert had Eckler, but whatever. Now go to the six through 10. All those guys that got paid. Jalen Hurts doesn't get paid without a running game. Kirk Cousins doesn't get paid without a running game. Dak yeah. Prescott doesn't get paid without a running game. <clears throat> the guys in the next group, Kirk Cousins isn't doesn't have his contract without Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Dak Prescott might not be in football without Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> like, you look at the next thing, Jalen Hurts, another guy. He didn't even fucking start. And then the Philadelphia Eagles are running the ball down people's throats last sure. year. And now all of a sudden he's getting 50 million a season. It's like you're you're using the and, and first and I mean listen I'm not here to shit on Daniel Jones yeah but Daniel Jones another guy is he in the league without Saquon Barkley like I'm well, all I, for I, having a reasonable thing yeah but also if if for a from a position to position basis yeah we're going to. You know, we talk about the NBA and it's all about upside and it's all about upside. Sure. And, you know, if you're a receiver, it's upside in a corner, you can develop and a quarterback. Is he going to figure out the game? Is it too fast for him? Yeah. But if a running back day one, you get thrown to the wolves, then the NFL PA needs to do something so that these guys man. can get paid. Before, like you can't say we're going to literally use you until you're done before we pay you because a quarterback can go. All right. Use me for five years, but like I could play for 15. Sure. Joe, I think two things can be true. I think what you're saying, I'm, I'm being serious when I said I really, really respect you for saying that. I think you care about those players. 
But the way the market is system, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And it, everything's relative, right? Like if you talk to some construction worker making 20 bucks an hour, they could just dream to be a uh, running back, you know? So um, I think he's frustrated. I think he's been honest. He have to do whatever he needs to get the biggest contract for him and his family. I get it, you know? But I think the way the system works in the NFL, I think running backs really are that disposable position right now. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Just like in NBA, I couldn't imagine 15, 20 years ago, even centers are throwing, shooting three-point shots, you know? Yeah. So so all these games, sports are evolving and changing, you know? Some of the players benefit from the changes. Unfortunately, others um, get hurt. Well, I, I mean, that, when I was I playing think... fantasy football 20 years ago, you pick running back right away, priest home. And, and you still do because it, it just changes – from year to year who you're fucking taking yeah i mean tom Brady. you're talking about 20 years ago you took priest Holmes. the year you took priest Holmes in the first fucking pick tom brady was the quarterback of the fucking patriots he just yeah. retired last year the priest priest Holmes, the 10 50 guys have played the position priest Holmes has played and i sure. understand that that's the way the football is going yeah but there's a couple but my my issues are essentially and this isn't like i said I think these guys are going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, you, Derek Henry and, and fucking Saquon and all these guys are going to tweet about it. Yeah, yeah. I was like tweeting about it. Come on. Yeah. I think, but I think what needs to be figured out is because I'm always going to be on the side of the players. Yeah. When it, when it comes to the players versus the owners, the right. owners sure. are taking advantage of all of these guys oh, from top to bottom. They're yeah. taking advantage of all of these guys, but they're taking advantage of these running backs after hearing Saquon talk about it, they're taking advantage of these running backs the most. And I think that there needs to be a thing where the NFL PA also needs to work out. If you come into the league and you're, you take 75% of your offenses snaps yeah. in their, in your rookie year or 90%, or if you're Saquon Barkley, if you're getting 40% of their offensive thing, you should be able to, you know, you, you, they can't tag you until you're whatever, you know, like you know, you, you know there, what, there's what? gotta be a way to work out the, the logistics of it because it, it does as much as I agree with Andy, what Andy and I were saying yes, uh, last episode mm -hmm. about these running backs, just not knowing their value. Yeah. When you hear a guy talk about it, there is something disgusting Yeah. about using a man <clears throat> to the absolute most physical use that you can use a guy giving a guy 300 carries and 90 yeah. receptions, having him tear a knee and then be like, you literally never get to be a free agent. You just um, don't get to a couple of things. Like uh, I read a really good article, but I might have, do I have his name right? Curtis Martin. Was he yeah. a running back? Yeah. Uh, he, he Patriots Jets. He was a really smart guy. He invested all his money right. He spent quite a bit of money even back then to like off-season, you know, uh, physical therapy and things like that. So there are smart guys like that. And who was that really great running back for Tampa Bay? His mother got killed. She was a police officer. Peter Work. No, no. Um, yeah, Work. His fame. Oh, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, when I meet these guys, they work hard. What a great leader in communities. I, I, I feel for them. I don't know what is the solution for them. Um, they have, you know what? If Sequan said he's a tranny, I bet you they'll take, um, take him serious, you know? 
you, you tell them you're trying to kicked off YouTube. <laughs> Why? Well, that, I'm just saying, you know, as soon as you see a tranny, then all of a sudden you have all these people Double, going doubling up. down. The, 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 you're going to get a bunch of support. But if you're just a proud black man <laughs> getting beaten down in playing field, they're not going to help him. Say, say you're a tranny. Well, I think I think where, where, I'm illness. Going, where I'm going with that is essentially what you said is like to come into the league and to think that you're going to have even the length of career a Warwick Dunn had. Yeah. Or a Curtis Martin. Oh, forget a Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin played forever. Or uh, fame. Yeah, but like the the bottom line is, even if you were Curtis Martin today, yeah, they're not going to give you that. Con- You're never going to get the opportunity to play. They figured out the finances of it, where they're like, we don't need Curtis Martin. Let's get seventy percent of his production for ten percent of the contract, and. What my point is, is I just don't think it's fair. No, it's not fair to have that to have that much control in years over guys and then have a couple of positions in the league where that is all their years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Essentially, in baseball, in baseball, they control you when you come up and everybody's playing for the one contract. Yeah. And if you make it to the second big contract you're probably going to the hall of fame. But if you don't make the one big contract, I mean, essentially in the NFL, we're now at the point where you're, you don't, you're not, if you're a running back there, that contract doesn't exist. Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. The, the, the talk is that he turned down two years. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was, I don't remember which player, but I remember that he was like a contract year. And the team purposely made him keep running in the middle, just keep getting hit because right. they knew they're not going to keep him. That's why but, I, I also think like if you're having some sort of incentive based thing where, hey, yeah, you could you can give Saquon Barkley 400 touches in his rookie year. But yeah. then it's going to cost us financially or it's going to cost us in time. Now you're playing the game of do we want to win? There's a co- <clears throat> like. You know, I that I don't well, think I think well, the table they, they can't do that for one position. I mean, we're talking, well, I'm say, but I'm you know, saying eleven guys in the field. My my point is the NFLPA should be able to work out like these <laughs> things from position to position. So, so this is my take. Also, I think people aren't talking about like it's still a glory position, right? It's still a high profile position. The running back, even though the for two is, more seasons. No, I know, but I'm saying even though the game has changed uh, as far as the passing attack and the evolution of football, yeah, it's still like, you know, when you look at positions, everybody talks about the quarterback, the the running back, and the wide receiver as far as offensively. I, I think well, you're right. I think it's definitely changing and people are seeing like, hey, the value I think on you, this. I think you have more big name tight ends now than you have big name fucking running backs. But the because prob- those guys stick around. But you're right. And the problem also is, I mean, we talked about this last episode. The last Pro Bowl running back on a Super Bowl team was Marshawn Lynch in 2013. Jesus Christ. But, and this is the point. We just <laughs> talked about the sociopath, psychopath, yeah. fucking Russell. Dude, Marshawn Lynch, right? Like, Forget Legion of Boom. Like we don't even. Russell Wilson's gonna make four hundred million dollars in his career. 
yeah. because of a guy like Marshawn Lynch. Sure. And now Marshawn Lynch has got to go do fucking Skittles commercials and ride a bike around fucking Scotland or some shit. <laughs> like it's like, uh, you know, I don't think these running backs are going through it, going about it the right way in yeah. terms of like, hey, man, we're not appreciated enough. And like what happened to the good old days when you could fucking a, a, a team would pay you for 10 years if you met, you were the heart and soul of the team. That's not the right way to handle it. The right way to handle it is if you're going to work me like a dog the second I get into the league, but the quarterback's going to have two years of riding the bench and learning from fucking Brett Favre, then I want to be, I want to be able to get my fucking contract after two. If I, if I have 30% of the team's offense in my first two seasons, I want to be a free agent. In a reality sports and, and show business, you're always going to find somebody willing to do the job. You know, I'm like, you know how it is with even comedians. You know, how many years do we do free shows? You know, I mean, I'm, I know that it's not the same thing with running back, but there's always someone willing to take his position, you know, and the team knows that. And I don't know how realistic it is for the rest of the other position players going to support the running back at the cost to them, you know. Uh, Joe, you're you're right. I wish I wish I was the good person I don't even like think, you. I don't even really think it's anything other than just it could be for everybody. It's just yeah. the the for a game that's getting so much faster and so much more dangerous, and guys at every single position except for quarterback, yeah, not lasting. I mean, you no one's ever going to break Jerry Rice's record because no one's ever like even a receiver. You're not going to play 15 years in the league at a high level. No. You're just not tight end maybe because they get past the ball more than they ever have but like no one's ever gonna break rod woodson's fucking interception like you just don't play that long so the idea that we're that that these owners can essentially control these guys yeah as their careers get shorter they can control them for longer seems like a way to avoid paying people Wait, so what would you do, Joe, if you're in charge of all the players' union? What would, I would you like? I to would do? fight to be able to go into free agency faster. Like you need the, every single guy in the league, if they're if they're producing, mm -hmm. should get their one con or get an opportunity to get their one contract. And he also talked about, I mean, dude, he did a great job because he's like, he's like, me and Josh Jacobs and uh Pollard and all these guys like getting the phone call on the same day that we're not fucking getting. He's like, you don't think there's collusion between my owner and the Raiders owner and the whatever saying like, this is the market value. If we don't all go if, like, if no one offers anybody over 12 million, then like we don't, they don't yeah. even, they can't even say, well, Josh Jacobs got 15 million. So if like none of us do it, then it's like, I, I, I feel bad for these guys. Yeah. They, the position that takes the fucking worst of the beating. It's crazy. And and so if you're only going to be in the league six years, you can't control guys for seven. Fair enough. I that's don't know my, how really. That's, that's the take I got from listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And the podcast sucks, by the way. <laughs> What's uh, it called? I don't know. The podcast stinks. The guys at like Saquon Barkley, very great on it. Um, but takes the lead and, and gets out his thoughts and feelings on his situation. But then, and the guy's like, it's a money podcast. He's like, dude, don't you wish the fucking giants had given you your first contract in like real estate, then it'd be worth this much. And it's like, like, what are we fucking talking? Like he could have bought real estate with his entire first contract and it would be worth that. Like what, how do you even 
Like, what does that even look like realistically? Oh, you don't you wish you had taken in Bitcoin? It's like he could have immediately bought Bitcoin. Andy, what do you think in 10 years? Do you think the situation will get better for running back? Do you think no. realistically? No. And, and, and you know, the everything you read, they, they say this has happened because mm -hmm. like Shanahan is a prime example and his son's doing the same thing yeah. in San Francisco. But they're saying like the stats back it up. Right. Yeah. And it's such an analytics driven league. All sports are. Yeah. It's not just the money. It's it's the drafting. I saw a great graphic, and I wish I had it. It had, going back to like 1985, <clears throat> the percentage, it, it did like 85 to 90, 90 to 95. It was like five-year brackets okay. sh showing which percentage of running backs were drafted in the first round <clears throat> versus you know the later rounds, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. I mean, it's all shifted, mm -hmm. right? Like, like. And I've said this before. I would never like taking a running back in the top 10. Like, why? Why would you take a running back in the top 10? Well, what's crazy when you look at it, and I was really thinking about this today, is it's not like it's not like this is a death sentence where you're going, what are you doing? Because if you look at the great running back teams, what they tend to be is like middle of the pack. Like you're not like. It's not like Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and whatever are on these like two win teams. No, they at like what's crazy is I think the other thing that like really kind of like, I mean, I know they're not directly related, but they are kind of related is like if you're not sure what you have at quarterback, mm -hmm. having a great running back really helps you develop. Like, I'm not sure. Like I said, like, think about how much more. Daniel Jones is blitzed if he doesn't have Saquon the last couple of years. Yeah. Think about how lower his completion percentage is if he doesn't have that guy to dump the ball off to. Think about all the, like, think about how much, you know, like, again, you know, Ryan Tannehill was fucking, was a two bad games from being out of football when he yeah. goes over to the fucking Titans and then he gets $25 million a year. You're like, it's, it kind of makes you like, it kind of makes you a good team, but it may, but the money, if you, if you sign one of these guys to a big deal, hampers your ability to win the Super Bowl. I'll be honest. If I was general manager, the most of the focus would be quarterback, offensive line, you know, wide receiver, and things like that. But I think running back would be one of the least of the worries because it's, it just seems like the game. It seems like they're disposable. I know well, yeah. it's very cruel and cold, but um, no, I, I I take the same approach. I mean, if if your end game is and it should be right, if your end game is winning a Super Bowl and maximizing your contracts, yeah. But he, all I'm saying is this. Think about the, my Giants and what they're yeah. doing with Saquon Barkley right now. I want my Giants to win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So I don't want – like, I'm out here, I'm out here like, freedom fighting for running backs right now. Sure. But also, do not give Saquon Barkley $20 million. Right. We'd essentially be lighting any chance of a Super Bowl on fire. But at the same time, the Giants having – what they think is their quarterback that they can do it. You have right. a coach in Dable and you have Daniel Jones who Dable believes in. You don't have him. If you don't have Saquon Barkley, you're right. already, you're, you've drafted a new quarterback this year. 
if you don't if you don't have Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was hurt yes. two seasons ago, and the Giants the Giants could be playing Daniel Jones this year could be paying him way less. They're not paying him way less because they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Then Saquon Barkley <laughs> comes back and they're healthy, and now they're they win a playoff game and they're like we think he can do it, dude. The idea that Saquon Barkley is doesn't get anything for essentially helping them to determine whether or not they have a quarterback. It seems crazy at the same time, do not give him $20 million. But my point is if the giants had to make this decision for Saquon in year two, he'd be set financially for life and they'd still be, they'd probably be at the end of that contract soon. And they'd still have an opportunity to figure out if they can win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. I just, you know, going back to the psychopath thinking, I think the management's going to be really cold about this. I don't. Well, I, that's uh, why the NFLPA needs to do something about these guys getting paid earlier. How realistic is that, Joe? Well, not realistic because the NFL is essentially like, you know, I know the here we go. Like, I just. I mean, because you I'm, really I, know people. Just in the NFL. let me say this to Dirt Balls before yeah. I even say this. I don't, I'm not even on fucking Twitter anymore. Your DMs about me being woke won't matter. But like yeah. they're the 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 players that said a couple of years ago were kind of slaves. It's like, yeah. yeah, you're millionaire slaves, but you're like you're they're right, you know, because there's not every there's not a lot of guys on the team that make a ton of money. Right. So it's like these owners have set up a situation where they never have to answer to these guys because the league goes on without them. But I would say this, this is the most power the the players have ever had in the NFL. It's been changing in the NBA for a while, but it's changing now. If Joe Burrow tomorrow said, I was sitting with the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals. He said something about my family that I will never forgive them for. And I, and I will not be signing an extension with Cincinnati. And I will be moving on to a different team. And if you're a Joe Burrow fan, I hope you will join me. Randy Ruther will be buying the fucking, he'll be buying the Joe Burrow mm-hmm. Texans jersey. There's never been a time where players had more control in the NFL. And I think that they need to start using it. <laughs> like it is, a, it's becoming more and more of a player's league. It's not to the point of the NBA, but. Patrick Mahomes leaves Kansas City. There's a lot of 10-year-olds that are going with him. Um, so, you know, for the last couple of years, they've been saying, like, they want to protect the players, right? Right? But they added one regular – they add one right. more yeah. game. To, so bullshit. there's a bit of a cognitive dissonance because on one hand, you claim to care about the players, but you add one more game. Let's be honest, you know <laughs> – that's a kind of contradictory thing. Of course. And, but, and, 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 and that's and, the kind of stuff that happens during labor negotiations where sure. the NFL players are like, this is ridiculous that we can't smoke pot. And they're like, fine, you can, but you're also playing an extra game. And they're like, deal. <laughs> like, I, I think ultimately what's going to uh, dictate everything is um, this is a classic Americanism, which is money will dictate, you know. And if, if, you, if you're a father and have a talented athlete, you probably don't want him to play running back oh, to be honest I would, you, I'd you know fucking absolutely i mean honestly at this point if i had a talented athlete i wouldn't even let my kid play i would let him play football to like play the game but i would yeah. i would be like 
if my kid was a Tom Brady or a Dave Winfield or a Russell Wilson or a whatever, where it's like, hey, dude, do you remember a couple of years ago how we were like, well, I guess Kyler Murray made the made the right decision. It's not looking like that's absolutely true anymore. Yeah. Right. Like Kyler Murray could get cut in the next couple of years. Kyler Murray yeah. could play baseball for 15 more seasons. True. Like, I mean, if I, uh, if I had a talent, what's the chance of an Asian kid being a talented athlete? But I mean, you could have the world's best ping pong player. Yes. Or, I mean, you know, the, Anna well, Show, Shohei Otani. Come on. Yeah. 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 But if, if I if I had a son that's athletic, I, I'd much rather the kid play like tennis or golf at these days, you know, to be honest. Absolutely. You know, because I think the things that you read, how much NFL player get hurt, you know, you, you, look, you look at the case like O.J. Simpson, talk about psychopath. I don't think he was born psychopath. You seen his head and helmet? I've I don't said, think he had a much of a protection. I said CTE forever. Yeah. So I don't want to say I'm sympathetic to him, but if he got in head injury and can't make a good moral decision, I mean, that was kind of a result of playing football back in those days. Because, man, if, talk if about... Happened, if that happened today, yeah, the first word out of Johnny Cock's mouth, he'd be like, I got three words, three letters for you. C- T E, you're right. Stay you're with me. Right. No, you're you're. 100% if the CTE right. hits, you yeah. must have quit. <laughs> it would be, it would be the first fucking thing. He'd be like, "Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do you know what CTE is?" That would be the first fucking thing he would say. I had this argument with this uh, Australian New Zealanders, and uh, they were saying that. Rugby is a tougher sport. If your helmet don't fit because your brain is too swollen, you must have quit. <laughs> but football is far more difficult and tougher because uh, it's, it's counterintuitive. The helmet protects you and your, your gear protects you so you could prolong the violence. It's far more dangerous. You know, oh, just like jumping more. out of an airplane with a parachute, it makes it safer. It's still dangerous. Formula One. Yes, you have all these gears and uh, seatbelts and stuff, but it's a fucking dangerous sport. You could burn to death, you know? So I think people think because football players have helmets about, and gear, it's safe. They say that about the UFC versus boxing. Like, boxing UFC, is far more dangerous. Yeah, the UFC, you get knocked out while you go down. They're like, yeah, you fucking, you can't, we can't let him punch him again. But a boxer goes You're down, stands up, hand. goes to the corner, and yeah. then they're like, you are the, the guy from the UFC that is on the ground, but we're going to let you keep getting punched. This uh, protective gear give you a full sense of the uh, safety, but it's more dangerous, you know? So um, all those NFL players, they earn all the money they make. It, it is a very dangerous sport. It, it, you know, they just meant, I mean, the, the brain damage alone is, is it's a scary, you know? And uh, who I do think you think has more brain damage, NFL players or you going through all these weird studies? Oh, NFL, not even close. <laughs> Not even close. My shit well, is just easy. What, what, what's the latest in the Yoshi doing weird stuff? I just finished. Uh, I didn't want to do it because uh, this year, it's the first time in 10, 11 years during medical testing, I got kicked out of three studies. Um, I qualify. I check in. Within 24 hours, I got kicked out. I, I'm alternating three studies, you know, but didn't need me. I finally finished one study this year. Uh, unfortunately, it was a COVID study for five days. I didn't want to do that, but uh, it was the only one I could find this year. Like when you do medical testing and you get caught, it's like uh, when those NFL players during summer training camp, right? It's kind of embarrassing. You got to 
you know, you got to hand you in your place and I got to hand it in my own, my medical document. I'm getting kicked out and everybody kind of look at me funny and I have to get all my bags so and get why out you of get, Why are you getting kicked out of the medical studies? Sometimes there's too many people um, doing it. So like they'll get 25 people and let's say they want to keep 20, you know, and, and let's say all 25 is good. And if they're the same level, then since I'm the oldest, they'd rather cut the oldest person out of there, you know. So stuff like that does happen. I but just imagine I just imagine Yoshi getting cut from medical studies, like Charlie Sheen getting cut in major league. He just like come, he just like comes in his office. You might not think I'm good enough to pretend to have COVID now, but I'm gonna come back sometime and shove it up your fucking ass. So what yeah, what was the COVID study? It's it's a medication to help people recover from COVID. So they need a healthy candidate. Man, I was I was really nervous because I was running out of money. I was running out of days before I have to leave for. Um, so they give Europe. you COVID. They give you COVID. No, 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 no. See, every medication they they first have to test on healthy people and see if they, if you have an allergic okay. reaction and things like that. And if, if if there's a problem, they want to fix all that. Then once everything's fixed and ready to go, then they will actually give people with actual illness. So, how was that? My friend Paul's laughing. So watching, watching comedy in another room. Yeah. So um, I got caught, and I finally got um, one study. So I have enough money to last me until September. So yeah. now you get to go see where Jeffrey Dahmer ate his first victim, or whatever place. I went to uh, uh, went to his house. Yes, uh, the apartment, <laughs> of course, on is Kilbourne. The is the apartment still up? No. When by the time I got to Kilbourne Street in Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, it was gone. But. Um, I, so I, I did talk to a couple of Cambodians in the neighborhood. So when you go, you see like house, 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 empty plot, house, house, house. Then you know it's, it was that apartment. When right. Think. I went to Ted Kaczynski's home. I went to uh, uh, Richard Ramirez in El Paso. I mean, all the major ones, I think I've been to every one of them. Boston Strangler, terrorists as well. I, went, I just got back from Europe for that, Mohammed Alta and people like that. And of course, um, I also went to- pictures of uh, these things? Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do when you're there? You're just like- there it is. All right, moving on. Like what? You talk to people. You take pictures. I take pictures. I talk to the people. Like recently, I, I did a bunch of uh, comedy show like, Castle. Pretend and, uh, you know, take goofy photos where you're like hanging yourself at the Boston Strangler I'll, site. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. That Richard. That Richard. What? That Richard Ramirez doc on Netflix. Yeah. That real. I don't know. Like, <clears throat> I was living alone at the time. Yeah. In my in my parents' house. Yeah. I like Richard doing, Ramirez was the night stalker. Yes. I didn't want to go to like, I was scared to go to bed. Like, like you watch how he, he was so there's <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong. There's nobody like him because most of these serial killers, they follow a pattern. It didn't matter. Age, race, gender. He just was killing. And it was, it was terrifying. I, I went to his high school. I went to the cemetery he used to hang out, and I went to the neighborhood he's, he, he used to live. But uh, his home got flooded, so that area is all new. Um, uh, since you guys like football and statistics, interesting, there's a doctor named Peter Brunsky have a chart, and just about every major serial killers, um, either they were born the year during the Great Wars. Um, the reason why there's such a significant database because either they serve in the war or... Uh, they were born in the years and during the wartime because uh, their family members serve in war and they come home with PTSD and bring domestic violence. Now, I'm not saying that 
just because they serve in a war and their PTSD, that everyone then becomes a serial killer. But that's like a couple of the contributing factor. So Richard Ramirez had a multiple head injuries. Uh, and also he has a family member serving uh, wars. He saw one of the family member rape somebody and another incidents where he saw somebody else getting murdered. So um, this head injury stuff is not just sports, you know. I think we're having a better understanding what's going on, but PTSD is a real deal. But uh, it's it's remember really that a- the next time you're at the airport, guys, and they let somebody <laughs> on the flight, they're like, "And yeah, now boarding active military in uniform and future serial killers, and then people who paid full price for their tickets." Yeah, uh-huh. I mean. I'll never fucking not be angry about it. I was going to say, I mean, we're talking to somebody who had a serious brain injury. So I'm like, am I going to be a serial killer? Like, what's going on here? I mean, th- th- there's a bunch of different uh, factors. But another contributing factor is like uh, childhood, right? Like uh, tumultuous childhood, playing with fire, animal cruelty, and also uh, wetting your bed. Lack of impulse control, you know. But Richard Ramirez is just like, even this guy that just they caught in uh, Long Island, uh, it just have all the check mark, you know. And uh, uh, what's funny? What's funny? There's so many of these uh, true crime serial killers from Netflix. Fire and killing small animals. Yeah, my brother has the check marks too. <laughs> oh my god! Well, but I you guys, think you guys are running out of true crime stuff. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that why guys do your thing? You have to go and commit more murders because we're <laughs> running out of documentary true crimes you know things are things are so bad this month there's actually one of my people on netflix the murder of a lucy blackman within a um at the end of the month it's a good one uh, i hate to say it but uh this guy was a korean japanese uh, we call him zainichi he is a serial killer and serial rapist and uh, i read that book like uh, 15 years ago but it's a it's going to be a really good documentary by netflix and uh you know well, um, I think now is a good time to talk about our sponsor, Miller Lite. It's geez. a good segue. <laughs> guys, here. guys, guys, if you watch the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary, <laughs> the guy would drink a lot of beer and he was in Wisconsin. You know what he wasn't drinking? He wasn't drinking Miller Lite. No, he definitely no. was. He definitely was not doing that. If he did, but, he would have never done any of this stuff. But Milwaukee, Wisconsin is the home of our good friends at Miller Lite. For one more episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Jeffrey Dahmer, too. Yeah. Yeah, please hop in here, Yoshi. Can we just talk for three? Can we can we talk Andy? Can we just talk for 30 seconds about okay. something and then transition into our ad read? Sure, we can definitely do that. I'll tell you what, Joe. It is the summer. And how's wa- summer there in Ohio, Andy? You got have you had a barbecue lately? Well, it's funny you bring that up. I wore my awesome silk Miller Lite button-down shirt. My brother had a barbecue at his pool, and he all my brother is like diehard Miller Lite. Yes. And the Miller Lights were flown at the pool last week and uh I was wearing the, like I said, the vintage shirt. The vibes were good. The family was there. He did a little pork roast. His wife actually did a little little Asian cuisine. You know, it's probably not up to your standards, Yoshi, but we did a little mix of, of barbecue mm-hmm. and some Asian food. And uh, Joe, you would have loved it. The Miller Lights were all over the pool. Well, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning, the reason we're doing this podcast tonight is tomorrow morning I'm headed to the desert for some shows. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to pick up Andy Lazarus and we're going to drive out. We're going to play a golf course in like Riverside. And I'm already looking forward to grabbing. I mean, we have a 1020 tee off. 
but it's the day of golf. So it's like, I'm going to get some Miller lights right at hole one. I'll be, I'll be consuming Miller lights out in Riverside on hidden Valley golf course tomorrow. It's going to be a glorious day. And I'm like looking forward to it almost as much as I'm looking forward to actually playing golf. I'm like, just drinking in the sun, drinking some Miller lights in the sun. Well, with a Miller light in your hand, summer doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, simply visit MillerLite.com forward slash Dirty Sports, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. I went to their factory years ago. Just mute Yoshi before this goes off oh. the rails. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It was delicious, and they're very nice people. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> no, Thanks, no, so Yoshi. They're, they're very, very so, nice. So you also, you also, and then you know, we'll we'll get these this show kind of wrapped up here soon. But you know, you've been on this tour as we're talking about serial killers, terrorists. Yeah. You you have. I'm gonna play this. You does this play? We we have this TikTok video. Of you, where are you at this this video? Like, it's gone I was at the nine e seventy first Street, uh, right from uh, Jeffrey Epstein's place. So whenever I have a free time, I always walk up to his place. And there was a mother and son, uh, kind of examining the Epstein's former home. And I started talking to them. I didn't realize his her son Patrick was filming the whole thing. So he put it on his uh, Instagram. I'm mean, uh, TikTok. Uh, TikTok. And I think it hits like six hundred fifty million, six hundred fifty thousand views in the yeah, month. Let me see if it plays. Let me see if this plays. Is it on, we got it. We got it up there. There we go. I'm gonna offend you, but when the rich people don't have satisfying sex life, you know what they do? They fuck the poor. The richest perverts in New York City, part one. Where are we going? We're going to see Epstein. Check out his digs. See if there's any perverts around there. Do you think that's the building? I think that's the home right there. Oh, it's this one. Mom, didn't you say this was the most expensive home in New York? To look here, Mom? I would have to save the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone in the that. So like you, she will. <laughs> what's going on here? You're just like, are, are you? You're like their tour guide. Well, I was supposed to do a show with Russell Peters, and my friend's car broke down. So <laughs> between two Broadway shows, I had a three hour. So I just walk up there, and I saw them looking at the buildings. So I just jumped in and started talking, and I didn't realize they were filming it. But I gave general geography of the place. You know, it's like a uh, block away from uh, uh, Woody Allen's home. Uh, one half a block away from 740 Park Avenue, which they made a documentary about the super rich people near, live in New York City, including Gloria Vanderville. Um, you know, five blocks south is Ghislaine Maxwell. Four and a half blocks south is Bernie Mehta. Four blocks is like a former President Trump's wife lived there. And um, it's a really interesting places, you know. And I think, like I was saying, um, it, it, this is all accident, you know. I, I met super rich people because... Uh, work in adult business, you just meet a lot of odd people. You know, um, 1999, 2000, 2001, the Consumer Election Act show, uh, subset of that uh, convention was uh, porn, part of the technology. So those three years, I made high tech folks. You know, now they're in position of power. But yeah, I mean, when you meet them, you Amazing. can tell right you away. You met all these high tech folks, and then you had to borrow a computer from someone to do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, hold on, for the record, everybody yeah. listening needs to know 
Yoshi getting a computer and Yoshi trying to understand how this worked was it was a whole thing. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm not really good at it, but there's no point of spending time when you're okay and trying to make you make yourself like above average. Um, I'm a pervert and I'm really great at it. And I've been traveling the world and I think I could read those are things I understand, you know. So last year and a half, I've been going to DC and helping my friend Kareem Sarajapur. He's writing a book about sexual proclivities of terrorists. So he's an academic, but he needs a pervert to catch a pervert. So it's very similar to a show on Netflix, Mindhunter, those two guys. He's an academic. And then since I've been traveling the world out of, out of my pocket, going to all the terrorist attack, serial killers and things like that. I've been doing that for a um, hobby for like 40 years, you know? Yeah. So I just happened to meet someone that could see a value in what I know, you know? So I didn't plan to do it. I just I met Kareem accidentally, just like this uh, Maria and, uh, and her son, Patrick. Well, real, real quick. And, and yeah. then we got to wrap it up. Cause I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm an old man here and I got to probably get up in the middle of the night to give a bottle to a, a little baby. The what's the quick story. You met the guy who went to North Korea with Dennis Rodman. I don't know how to say his last name, Joe. You have that his name. How would you say that? I don't want to offend the public by saying it wrong. The public. I love he just he dropped a T word <laughs> like four times in the middle of the episode. And now he's worried about offending the public. Terwilliger? Terwilliger? Yeah. Terwilliger? So he was teaching gen uh, genetic science and other stuff in, in North Korea, I think. He's a and he's a geneticist and a professor of neurobiology at Columbia, Columbia. Medical School. Yeah. So he was and he speaks uh, fluent Korean as well. And he, he went back home and there was a charity event. Whoever donate the most money will play basketball with Dennis Rodman. So he won it. He started playing basketball with him. And when Rodman realized Joe spoke perfect Korean, he said, why don't you just come with me? So second trip Rodman made, Dennis Rodman and Joe was hanging out with Kim Jong-un at their palace. And uh, I mean, just crazy. He showed me a picture a couple of days ago. He just had his arm around Kim Jong-un, like their buddies and stuff, you know? And we live in a crazy time. So only rational thing to do in crazy world is to be crazy, you know? So I know some of your fans like me because of uh, crazy shit I do, but it's kind of necessary, you know? So I saw Ghislaine Maxwell multiple times in person, you know, and uh, um, Harvey Weinstein, Danny Masterson. And uh, I think Elizabeth Holmes was really interesting too, you know? And... The reason I'm so interested, especially Ghislaine Maxwell, Elizabeth Holmes, they understand how powerful men think and behave. And these people run the role. They really do. So if you if you understand how they say, think. Say, say world again. The world. <laughs> okay. So I, you know, you know, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's almost like, um, I don't know what you call the science where you study poison, but if you're studying poison, you get the snake, you take the venom, and you make, you know, uh, re-engineer and, and you, you uh, antidote. Like Anti-venom. Yeah. yeah. If you really want to know how, um, you know, this is going back to Joe, like how these super rich people think. They don't give a fuck about running back. And let me tell you, they don't care about a lot of people. So how do these super rich people think? When you, when you talk to people like Elaine Maxwell and Elizabeth Holmes, you really get a pretty good idea how they think and they're, they're, um, they're 
sexual appetite, things like that. I mean, I read a book, several books, and they were saying that even Henry Kissinger was uh, terrified by Elizabeth Holmes. This is a man who fought, he's still alive at 100 years old. He fought World War II during Cold War with, you know, Chairman Mao and all the dictators in Russia, and he's afraid of these women. So I think if you get to know these women, you probably could learn a lot about how the super rich think, and they're mostly men, are they not? For sure. Well, Yoshi, yeah. where can we, because we got to wrap this up. Oh, by the way, I'm next Thursday, not this week, next Thursday in L.A., uh, July 27th, I'm doing my show in L.A. at the Impro Theater and uh, um, 8 p.m. And uh, if, I still think, I think I still got 10 tickets or 15 tickets left. Wait, but if you what, go which adult theater content, is it at? Hmm? What theater? Yeah, I think it's called Impro Theater. Okay. And then and those tickets are all available at, at adultcontent69.com? Yeah, um, I'm doing my uh, preview run. Um, I'm doing it one this coming Sunday in Olympia and then one more in L.A. And that's it. I leave 29th of this July. And uh, then after the festival, I'm going back to travel and do uh, do a little bit more research. I'm going that's to right. you're gonna, you know, you're gonna the... find the, he's going to find the cave where Osama bin Laden lived for a while. I forgot the last time I saw Yoshi was in New York. I ran into Yoshi in New York randomly. Oh, that's right. The comedy club. That's yeah. right. You were killing it, Joe. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Prano, what about you? Well, tomorrow I head to the desert. I'll be, I'll be at Agua Caliente Casino on Friday night doing the show with our good friend of the network, Andy Lazarus. And then Monday... I will be at the Comedy Store in L.A. for Eddie Ift's uh, awesome. Eddie Ift and Friends show. Um, and then, uh, sorry, Yoshi, I leave for New York on Thursday or else I would come check out your preview. Um, but I'll be in New York from the 27th to the 7th. Uh, keep your eye on JoePrano.com or uh, my Instagram uh, at JoePrano. Uh, I'm sure I'll have dates in New York. And then, of course, August 4th and 5th, Atlantic City Comedy Club at the Claridge Hotel in Atlantic City. Um, get your tickets to that now. I've been promoting it all this week, so go on my Instagram, put up a put up a new stand up clip, and in the uh, in the description of that stand up clip is all the info for Atlantic City Comedy Club. So come to that show. Fantastic. And, and, and one last thing, if, if because I failed three medical testing, if <laughs> if, if they could uh, donate um, a few changes, all the information at the website. And anyone in Edinburgh, um, God, I, I I definitely need volunteers because uh, I'm 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 I pay for everything by myself and I have to do everything all the setup by myself too. So it's been pretty stressful. So if there's any volunteers that want to work uh, for the adult content show in have Edinburgh, have any, any people in Scotland listening currently right now that uh, are also stagehands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshi needs you guys. There's any uh, high school theater majors that are currently listening yeah. to this that are uh, 15 years old. Uh, uh, Yoshi, it's always a pleasure. Good to have Great you back. You, it's been too long. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm not, you guys didn't get in trouble. No, well, Yoshi, we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> worry. That's that's a guarantee. Thanks for uh, doing the show, Prano. Have a great weekend, Yoshi. Thanks, have buddy. a great weekend, and uh, as always, stay dirty.